0: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.
1: Hello, welcome back to OzBiz Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. Great to have your company as we... Kick off the PM today on uh, a Tuesday, the 1st of December. It's starting to feel a lot like Christmas now, isn't it? I think everyone is, is wanting to get into that Christmas spirit. Uh, great news today with WA um, opening its borders to Victoria and New South Wales from December 8. So looks as though the entire country may get back to some sort of COVID Christmas normal. Uh, in the in the next couple of weeks which is just fabulous news for, for everyone uh, waiting for a William break and catch up with family over the festive season but uh, we're gonna we've got a festival of stocks today as usual on the call we look at uh, 10 stocks that you've suggested that we put towards our expert panel today I choose a stock of the day that's in the news panel today one of our favorites uh, Howard Coleman from team invest joins us. Howard, uh, good afternoon to you. How's your uh, how's your week been so far? Uh,
0: absolutely terrific, and as you can see, I'm starting to wind down at this time <laughs> of the year to casual clothes <laughs> in the hot weather. Going to the cricket, uh, you know, cricket's my sport, and uh, yep. th- th- this is just a great time of the year.
1: It is, it is a great time of the year. How uh, the Aussies travelling in the ODI? Two convincing wins at the moment, but but Warner uh warner's groin is will cause a few problems
0: yeah it doesn't look like he'll be ready for the first or maybe even the second test that's a great pity because uh, he's been batting really beautifully
1: yeah uh, good opportunity for the young kid to come in though so uh yeah. wait to see you on that uh, gary glover from nova's capital joins us gary uh, afternoon to you. Are you a cricket fan as well? Are you into uh, cricket? Yeah.
2: yeah, I think you're uh, a bit of a sports bus. I love, love all the sports. So yeah. I think like half yeah. the
1: uh, male population in Australia. So, yep. Yeah, and, and we love a tussle with India because yeah. they're as narky as we are <laughs> and sledge and you know, it's fabulous. Yeah. It's really competitive, yeah. which is uh, two great teams going head to head. All right, you two are going to go head to head today with uh, uh, the stocks that they're going to uh, put up for adjudication. First stock of the day is one that I choose. Uh, And I thought we'd take a look at Santos, uh, lifting its full year production guidance, a strong operating performance expected to deliver between 87 and 89 million barrels of oil at an average cost of $8 a barrel. Uh, Santos has kept its uh, expenditure guidance unchanged at 900 million, but expects to make annual savings of up to $105 million, thanks to uh, its acquisition of Conoco Phillips assets and uh, of course we talked a bit about Santos yesterday when uh, our panel then, uh, Nathan and, and Scott Phillips we were uh, discussing Beach and both of them didn't like Beach and preferred Santos as an alternative. So let's put it to uh, Howard Coleman. first of all, Howard, what did you think of the, uh, the report and uh, what do you think of Santoss uh, at these current
0: levels? yeah look a a very good report and uh, not an easy business to run because you're selling something which is a wasting asset and at the same time you have no control over the selling price Uh, the selling price is set internationally so not the kind of company that we would naturally look at as a potential wealth winner too many things that can easily go wrong and Santos, over the years you know if i look back at 10 years worth of history its average return on equity Um, has been no more than about five percent per annum uh, over that 10-year period so on that basis alone our members would look at that and say um, not the kind of company that that team invest members think is going to be a wealth winner Uh, it's you know uh, certainly the it, it seems to be being better and better run over the last little while so maybe that will change but um Hard for me to get enthusiastic about a company that's had virtually no growth in EPS and it's got a low uh, return on equity.
1: Okay, uh, Gary, what did yeah, you I mean see? it has
2: improved over time. So the balance sheet's got um, more and more. I would say that it got in the trouble there. I would you know, going back uh, three or four years, and since then, its um, management have sort of uh, improved the balance sheet, sold a few you know, lower tier assets, and yeah, so it has m- improved heaps. It, it is the pure play in the sector, so if you wanted to be you know belong long oil if you thought that was a tre- strategic sort of place to be yep Santos is kind of the obvious pick there
1: do, do, does its share price mirror the oil price is this sort of like a you know, um, it's probably
2: closer a, to than most of the other stocks oh does thought. it okay yeah, yeah right. so so
1: to you're it. really betting as Howard was saying the risk is the oil prices controlled by OPEC basically and whether it loves wants to put the shale oil producers in America out of business or yeah, put I mean, pressure the, on the Russians, yeah. they'll, they'll move the oil.
2: Yes, yeah, so I mean, the good news for Santos is that um, their the production is um, is getting wound up and the costs yep. are getting wound down. So that's right. that's a plus for their company. Obviously, yeah. management doing the right things. Most of Broker Vals are sort of sitting, if you take out the outliers, they're probably sitting six seventy-five to $7.00. Which is where it is now. Well, it's just below that. So right. it's got a little bit of upside here, but...
1: Oh, okay. I yeah. think
2: you've seen a bit of a recovery, obviously, with the value stocks and with the um, vaccine play. There, You've seen a bit of a jump in these all-stocks. So I think it's got further to run, but I think we've probably run <coughs> three-quarters of the race here oh, already. Right. So okay. we've only got the last little 20% to go. So in the upside is limited. Upside is limited here. So I think it goes higher, but we're sort of you're coming in maybe after the, the horse has sort of bolted a little bit. Right. So, uh, yeah, but still, I, you know, if I held the stock... I'd be holding, I wouldn't be selling it. Right. I think there's more upside. But I think once you sort of get towards sort of $7, yeah. okay. you're probably going to be pushing. Unless we see a change in something in the, in circumstances here, it's probably going right. to be the upside.
1: Okay. All right. So basically a hold if you've got it, but, but don't get into it at this yeah. level. All right. Let's get into the uh, the 10 stocks that you've asked us to uh, have a look at. And uh, Gary, first up, Rob wants a view on uh, Coca-Cola Amatil, the uh the big drinks uh manufacturer but uh, not just the fizzy drinks but it's get, got into the energy drinks and that so-called health drinks and and bottled water as well It sort of changed its portfolio mix over the last 10 years or so hasn't it?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure why we're looking at it actually, because it's pretty much a done deal. Yep. So it's basically looks like the the, the uh,
1: Europeans uh, European wanting to it. buy it.
2: So all the uh, independent directors have all um, recommended the 1275 cash yep. per share of- offer. It's trading just under that amount. So there's a little yep. bit of, you know, a little bit of uh, So I
1: reckon Rob would want it up to say, does he accept the offer? But basically if all the major institutional shareholders have agreed to it and all the directors, you're likely, whether you like it or not, you're going to get yeah, soaked up in so it. so
2: unless there's another bid from someone else comes in over the top, which, you know, there's no talk of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty much acceptance is pretty close here. So this is, you know, that's as close as you get to, to getting it done here. So yep. all that's left here is a little bit of time. Um, sometimes there might be risk of the bids falling over here. I don't see that in this circumstance. So risk yeah. is pretty low if, of, a, of it falling over. So there's just the time value of money yeah. um, and, the, and the offer there, so it's yeah. cash, cash bid. So yeah. yeah, it's just whether you take it, you know, redeploy it somewhere else. So if you've got somewhere more exciting to go, yeah. take it out. Yeah. If you've got nowhere else exciting to go, maybe hold a few cents. So I personally, once the deal's done, i generally take the money because that one in 10 or one in 15 that suddenly go the other way Um, You've got all the downside risk if something, you know, if something left field happens or they pull out. So it doesn't happen too often, but it has happened before, so yeah.
1: Howard, what do you do in terms of a takeover offer, which has unanimous approval uh, from directors?
0: Well, as long as it's at a price that is significantly higher than the share price was prior to that, you say, thank you very much. And uh, like Gary, I take the money. And in this particular case, I think the offer is 1275 The price is about 1270 or so, 1269 at the moment. Um, you know, th- there is that small chance, as Gary points out, that the offer could fall over. I think highly unlikely in this particular case, yeah. but it can happen. So my view would be if I was currently holding it, and uh, I would have already taken the money a good few weeks ago, and I would say thank you very much and uh, find somewhere else to put the money instead. It hasn't been a wealth winner you know this is a company that um has had a lot of things to contend with its biggest customers are big gorillas like woolworths Coles, aldi etc um who are always squeezing them on price um fizzy drinks are a little bit less popular than they used to be so they've had to reinvent themselves a bit uh paying royalties to the coca-cola company in america and if you look at it over the last 10 years the earnings per share has gone from 70 cents a share to 60 cents a share so the company's actually gone backwards in terms of value to shareholders over the last 10 years so i think a case of saying thank you very much for the offer and i'm really pleased to be rid of it if you already own it
1: yep <laughs> all right good advice there rob uh thank you for uh, suggesting it um howard um scott wants a view on the Vanguard ethically conscious Australian shares ETF. Now, um, I know ethical filters, uh, uh, your members put in ethical filters a lot in their um, investment decision making and uh, general investors, a lot of institutions are doing it at the moment. What do you think of this ETF and and the companies that invest in?
0: Yeah, I think with, with any ETF, you, you you've got to look at it from a point of view of, Um, It's giving me a spread over a large number of different companies. They're going to look after it. Um, For me to try and pick the ETF, I think people would be picking this because to them ethical investing is important. My difficulty with many of these so-called ethical investing is what's one person's ethics is not necessarily Mm. others. And even among our Team Invest members, um, probably the only uh, two things that... uh, we agree on uh, widely across the group uh, in terms of ethics is n- none of our members seem to like in- investing in gambling and none of them seem to like investing in tobacco but some of them don't mind drinks others do mind drinks um some of them don't like it that's uh, harmful to the environment others say well that's not our business to worry about when we're investing so i, I-, I think if you if you in if- Thinking of investing in an ETF that's an ethical investment you've got to read very clearly what they define as their ethics and decide does that fit with you and what you really buy is a fund that's going to be spread over a large number of companies like that now probably a couple of years ago ethical invest the investing uh, companies were tend, tended to be underpriced so there was a fair bit of upside it's now so much the flavor of the day that the chances are you're overpaying for the revenue stream that you're likely to get from an investment. The moment it's ethical, and um, that would bother me if I was looking after my money as opposed to looking at it from the ethical point mm. of view. Okay,
1: uh, Gary. No,
2: interesting point there. Yeah. yeah, I mean it is pretty popular at the moment. Ethical investing is kind of the in at the moment, yeah, yeah. so it's a lot, lot's quite popular that space there.
1: Does it play into your filters? No, no, right,
2: no, yeah. So I'm, I'm long some. Um, Whitehaven Coal at the moment, which is probably not going to be in that, in right, that sector no, there. That's right, so yeah. if I think there's accumulation taking place and the stock's going to go a lot higher, then yep. I'll invest in it. So no. um, I'm quite unemotional about yep. my investments. Just try to trade them as they go up and down. Um, yep. But uh, yeah, some clients definitely um, have that prerogative and uh, yeah, you've got to respect that view. Yeah, The thing I have, uh, I'm, I'm sort of a little bit different with sort of Howard here, is that um, I, I personally not, aff- I mean... There's low management fees in yep. the ETFs, yep. but I I actually prefer the LOCs over the ETFs, and because ah. LOCs are closed, right? So the um, sometimes they trade at a discount. And you can buy them under book value, which is which is great. But you know yeah. what you're getting. You know what the oftentimes the yield is or how they invest. ETFs, they that the book can change. Yep. So um, in my experience, following the ETFs, so following the the index, and just a couple of examples are of sort of like uh, think about Triple O, which is the oil ETF, and even some of the B bus and BBOZs there, sometimes they don't exactly mirror um, the index, and they can just sort of sway from those yeah. indices. And it's and
1: usually that that that's an excuse to charge higher fees, is it? Because they say, well, it's an actively managed ETF. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: So they're sort of trimming and 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 pushing up, right. and it, yeah, and that's that's a little bit of trading there. And look, I oh, you know, call me the skeptic, being around broking, and you know. Uh, the streets always trying to find ways of making more money and um, so if they could make more money in these instruments you know would they not and i'm not sure most i mean i think Vanguard's probably the one that is probably the most um uh, ethical probably in that space there so probably they're probably the one they probably would respect the most but from my experience i'm just not sure the etfs always they always seem to lag them slightly and if you overlaid a bullish and a bearish etf with the same risk profile take the fees out I don't think they meet in the middle. Ah, okay. Uh, there's always a little because just because they get traded in and out, and yeah, you know, the the providers might say, "Oh, well, that's you know, there's execution little risk yeah, yeah. there of coming in and out." So yeah. just yeah, I just don't know if you get exactly what you know. You might only get ninety five percent of what you really want. So right. there's a little bit of slippage in there sometimes, I believe. So right, yeah.
1: So the, it'd be a no for you. Yeah. But if you wanted, uh, you'd rather go to the LICs. Yeah.
2: This, this is sort of something that I would actually look for, you know, investing, you know, if I was putting some money in for, for ethical kids, rules, yeah, yep. for the next five years, this is the kind okay. of thing I would look at. I'd much, much prefer a closed fund, that's all.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, but but of the ethical ETFs, this is one of the better ones? I think so, yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, Brian, thank you for that suggestion. Scott, now uh, uh, Gary Brian wants a view on Money 3 Corporation. This is... Basically, um, a finance company isn't it? Uh, providing um, unsecured personal loans, uh, car loans, basically, um, and personal loans.
2: Yeah, so cars, basically, all all, all basically motor vehicles. So, yep. from you know vans, mini trailers, you name it. In that vehicle space, they, they lend there. Look, the company's had a, um, a great track record here. The last um, year, I think revenue was up thirty five percent. So. Um, earnings per share was sort of uh you know was probably slightly impacted just because they've made provisions like everyone's done in in covert but there has been pretty strong growth in the book i think it's up 16 percent the loan right. book um for the last 12 months so it's pretty pretty impressive there um the problem i have is that the pe's 22 and a half almost the yields what 2.7 percent so um look it is a growth space here it, the valuation is good business, David, but the valuation is pretty high. Right. And and I do believe this sector. There's just so many um, new players.
1: Look at that. It's basically a five-year high. Yeah. It? And so and and this would be very exposed to fintechs and disruption and things. like that. Yeah. Exactly. Like, so I right. mean, how, how many
2: you know, neo banks, fintechs, yeah. payment systems? That that space is getting so crowded here right now. Yeah. Um, there's some risks. You know, obviously these guys have performed pretty well. The yeah. The management team's done very well. Five-year high. But there's some risk here. The valuation's a bit high, so there's no room for to get things wrong here or to lose market share at the moment. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh,
0: Howard, money three. Yeah. Uh, earnings per share has been on a slight downtrend since 2017. So not only uh, because of COVID, um, but the earnings per share in 2017 was 18 and a half cents. It's now just under 13 cents. Um, so. Uh, the last few years hasn't looked all that good now despite that the share price has been going up which is yeah. uh, uh, making its PE ratio higher and higher and i think that's the excitement at the moment that there is in this marketplace about anything that calls itself a financial services business in some formal fashion and claims to be different from the big four banks um whether it makes a profit or not people pile their money into it now at least this one does make a profit so um unlike many of the others that are around at the moment. So it has been profitable, but it's earnings per share aren't growing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's moving more into car finance than into personal loans, um, which is probably uh, going to make its life easier because uh, since Hayne Royal Commission, personal loans have become really, really difficult for, for companies to do um, in any way in which it's practical for the borrower and for the business. So um, on a PE of 23, as Gary says, it's a pretty high PE. This company is generally um, sold on a PE of around about 10, 12, uh, yeah. sometimes as low as five and six over the last 10 years. So when you see a PE of 23, which is almost exactly the highest that it's ever been over 10 years, even if the company is great, it's probably a not good, a good time now to buy it. You want the share price to come down. Fair, but to bring that p ratio uh, back into more reasonable range
1: yeah okay all right uh good company great run um and if you've been in it you've had a fantastic run up <laughs> yeah. um it's-
2: start trimming some maybe yeah uh,
1: yeah yeah uh, starting to bank some profits um howard uh ali wants a uh, a view on insurance australia group the uh the massive general insurance company which um uh, sort of operates um a, an
0: enormous number of, of great general insurance brands yes and in fact uh, you know one of the very large companies on on the asx um but it's really never performed terribly well insurance is a business that you can make money out of uh, or in fact you effectively make money in two ways number one by charging more in premiums than you pay out in claims what's called the insurance profit and then secondly by the investment profit where you get afloat people pay you a premium now and you have to pay out the money sometime later if they have a claim and in the interim you can earn money on that money now with interest rates and bond rates being very low uh, next to zero um the second half of the way you can make money has largely gone away at the moment. Uh, so the investment float is earning virtually nothing for them. Um, at the same time, IAG haven't been the most expert over the years at making a profit out of their insurance premiums. So, not surprisingly, the share price hasn't done terribly well because the earnings per share today hmm. are the same as they were 10 years ago. And in fact, They got up to 50 cents and 55 cents in 2013 and 2014 and all the way down to 26 cents in 2019 and 15 cents in 2020 so that's not the kind of business that's going to be a capital killer I mean a wealth winner Uh, it may not be a capital killer but at the best it's going to be mediocre so not a company that uh, we in team invest would be at all enthusiastic about um if insurance that if interest rates went up dramatically um at least they could make money out of their float um but um uh, at the moment with low interest rates they're neither making good money out of their float nor they're making good money out of the insurance premium so uh definitely a no from us
1: yeah and gary um howard makes a really good point does i because that investment float um is where they used to make a lot of their money, and a lot of investors will be thinking, "Well, geez, the share market's gone through the roof, so that investment float must be um, really performing well." But there, it's legislated that they've got to go into very conservative investments, don't they? And yeah. it's all fixed interest, where you're getting nothing on it, or government bonds. Yes,
2: yeah, right. Same with QBE as well. So they, yeah. you know, here. Yeah, I mean, they go back or six years ago used to make a little bit of uh, you know cream on the top there but yeah for the last four or five years has been no cream too at all. hard yeah, yeah. yeah but it just means that these are look it's interesting there because obviously the claims are up but also premiums are up yep so we're you know so um, you, know, you know for the business to sort of succeed you probably want to have claims down and premiums up but that's yeah. just not the way it works so the premiums do tend to sort of climb you know so Look, all the analysts are sort of saying there is going to be volatility in the returns here. So, um, and most of broker valves are sort of sitting around that five twenty to five thirty. There's a few outliers. A couple of brokers have sort of got five seventy, five eighty. So, I actually don't mind it here. I think it's not compelling, um, but I do think normally when we do these raisings, we do them sort of down the down the yeah. lower end there. Yeah. And not many raisings have sort of um, have sort of been done. Um, you know. Have sort of gone in the red here recently. Actually, most of them have sort of gone up here. So, typically, you sort of—I've I've sort of got a few clients in there. and I've, I've suggested taking the, you know, taking the extra stock here. So you'll get five oh five, or if it trades below that, you'll get a usually a, a lower okay. V WAP there. So but take
1: take up the issue. take them up
2: down there. I think yeah, most of the breakers are sitting a bit higher there. So, right. like, but I think maybe five seventy, five eighty might be the top side for the stock here. So yeah, yeah so I think anything above five fifty, will probably be. Looking to write a cover call again. So, I just think probably, you know, so it's stocks probably going to be stuck a little bit here. It's a bit like AGL, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, safe businesses, um, not compelling valuations aren't expensive right. here. Um, but Okay.
1: So, m- if, if a typical portfolio has 20 stocks, yep. um, I suppose you've got a way up, don't you, whether. This is just too hard against other opportunities. So, would this yeah. be in your twenty stocks, thirty stocks? in your Depends
2: portfolio? on your makeup and stuff. Really, how you want to yeah. sort of view. Because yeah. you. if Real you're sort of like uh, if you believe that um, that this is potentially the greatest bull trap in history, right, and that valuations are through the roof in stocks, maybe you want to have a defensive setting in right. your portfolio. So you want to be in these yep. defensive type stocks. So if that's your view, then maybe it fits into that category. Right. So. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's always a place sometimes for certain stocks, yeah. but yeah. So, but, would
1: you be buying it at this level? Uh,
2: I'd like it a little lower here, right. but I think, uh, but I'll be taking the stock gotcha. up at five oh five. Right. So. Okay.
1: Yeah. All right. Um, now, Jack wants a view, uh, Gary, on JB Hi-Fi, the uh, uh, the big retailer of electronics groups. Uh, someone was telling me it was it has has the highest sales volume per meter square meter of any retailer in the world so when you're going to jb hi-fi it looks as though everything's falling on yep. on top of your side getting a this cave but that's how <laughs> they make their money yeah
2: yeah look it's been a, obviously a great business there yeah um and the numbers have been phenomenal so i think uh you know the obviously the revenue and the growth there so i think uh i mean the sales growth was what 70 27 uh just recently for the up on the last quarter so yep. big, big jump there it's just it's a hard one here because the valuation's getting a bit up there. So what are we sort of 17, 17 times yield yep. sort of 4%. So it's not, it's pricey but not super expensive. It has has been high, it's been as high as $53 here recently. Most of broker valves are sitting around that $49 to sort of $50 range. That's right. kind of where they're all sitting. I have, I have found it curious that two brokers recently, sort of Morgans and Macquarie, have downgraded uh, about 15% and 10%. Off the valuations, just because of the, the the COVID vaccine change. It's just just because right. you think about it at the moment, these biz, these big retailers have been a sweet spot because everyone else is closed. If yep. everyone else starts to open up, then we're going to start shopping with some of the small ones who haven't had the access there. So the, yep. there's a bit of a view around that. So, but I think if I saw the price soften a bit further, down to a lower multiple, then yes, I'd, okay. I'd be a buy here. I, I'm not so sure that some of these small enterprises are gonna make it back. right? So I think the big players are gonna probably dominate for a bit longer as well, so. So, um, and the way
1: that chart is at the moment, so if it pulled back to what, the low 40s or $40? Yeah,
2: oh yeah, I think anything near $40 is gonna be a buy for sure.
1: Right, okay.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, Howard, what do you think of JB Hi-Fi? Yeah, now, this is a company that's really done extraordinarily well for shareholders because it's been an extraordinarily well-run business their return on equity has been in the 20s or 30s percents um for an entire decade now so that's really high return on equity and and partly because as gary says they move Mm. the stock through the stores really quickly i I think you mentioned that too david and um, you know earnings per share has been growing an average of about 14 per cent per year for a decade now um with a 96 per cent stability in other words the earnings per share is very stably growing now a uh, stable growth in earnings per share is one of our filters that we we use because companies that are uh, showing stability over the last five years of their earnings growth so that doesn't mean earnings are stable but they're growing at a stable rate are five and a half times more likely to continue growing than companies that are up and down so that's on a fairly large studies that have been done around the world um so all the metrics look good debt's a little higher than we'd like to see but it's within our filter range it's about 67 percent debt equity some of that is premises leases so it's not the worst kind of debt but uh, it's on a pe ratio of 16.8 which is pretty low um you know we don't look at a lot of stocks on this program with interest rates mm. being this low that have PE ratios less than 20 And this one's on 16.8 and all its other metrics are terrific. However, 16.8 for JB Hi-Fi is quite high. Most Mm -hmm. of the time you've been able to buy it between about uh, 8 and and 15. So 16.8 is a little on the high side. I think it's a great business. And at a 16.8 PE in the long term, you probably won't do too badly. But there's a very good chance, much like Gary was saying, you could probably buy this a bit cheaper. So to me, it would be a yes, but um, uh, it, it certainly at the upper range of the prices uh, for JB hi-fi or PE's that yeah. you'd be prepared to pay. But as I say, a 16.8 PE is a hell of a yeah. lot cheaper than a lot of other companies. that don't show any growth at all. Yeah,
1: yeah, so, yeah. And, and like Gary, you'd be happy around the happy around the $40 mark.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'd be happier at $40 mark than at 46. Or 45, yeah, <laughs> but uh, having said that, even at 45, um, you know, it, it, if you prepared to hold it for a few years, you look back on yeah. it when the, when the earnings are growing at 14% a year, and you look back on it, you'll say in three or four or five years' time, Gee, that was quite cheap when I've only paid forty-five for it, but it would be nicer to buy it at forty.
1: Yep, okay. All right, there you go, Jack. Thank you for suggesting uh, Joby Hyper. Let's recap the uh, first five stocks we've looked at. Stock of the day was Santos, a no from Howard, uh, a hold from Gary. Um, Coca-Cola, Ramatil, both Gary and Howard say, hey, just sell at these levels or accept uh, the offer, the takeover offer from, from the European part of... Uh, Coca-Cola have got the takeover bid in at the moment and go and use the money elsewhere in the market. Uh, Vanguard um, ethical Australian share uh, ETF. um, Howard, I know Gary likes listed investment companies um, rather than ETFs in this area. But um, if you're looking for an ethical ETF, this is probably the best one to go and do it. And I thought a good comment from you, Gary was, uh, If you wanna put some money away for kids um, that has an investment with an ethical bent to it, uh, this could be something worth looking at. Um, Lots of grandparents or parents wanna give their kids a a portfolio or some shares. um, This would be a good alternative for their birthdays. Um, Money three, a no from both. Um, AIG, a no from Howard. Um, Gary's saying, if you're looking for a good defensive stock, Yes, IAG uh, take up at the issue price of 5.05, then that looks pretty attractive because the, the share price is above that. Um, but be prepared that the, uh, the trading range um, until that um, raise has been sort of absorbed, could be sideways for a while. So it's a longer term defensive hold. Uh, and JB, Hi-Fi, a yes from Howard and... Uh, Gary likes it as a stock, but a bit expensive at the moment. If it got down around that $40 mark, he'd be very interested in it. Uh, Here at the uh, call, we're tracking our own portfolio since the 1st of July. Any stock that comes up before our panel and gets two thumbs up, two ticks from both of them, goes into the portfolio. If it then comes back to the panel in subsequent weeks or months and still gets the double tick, stays in the portfolio. If it doesn't get the double tick, it then goes out of it. So let's see how we're we're tracking at the moment. The last week we're up a percent uh, for the month, 11%, and since the 1st of July, uh, close to 24%. Take a look at some of the stocks that have been added recently by Expert Panels: Treasury Wine Estate, even though it's been hammered, uh, they reckon it's at its lows. Uh, Ampol South 32, Red Bubble, Elmo Software, and Credit Clear. Uh, some of the stocks taken out, and um, basically, because the panel was saying um, you know, they had a fantastic run, so take some profits. Megaport and Dicker Data. Now, if you want to take a look at all the stocks and ETFs in the portfolio, go to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Uh, coming out at 1 pm, just after the end of the call, is Doe, Chief Executive andy taylor as the company launches a a buy now pay later product in the us with the help of fintech hum uh, that is just after 1 p.m eastern daylight time and uh, that will be interesting and gary has had some uh, thoughts on or some big comments on buy now pay later and how they're going to be a bit different um so tune in for that stick around all right uh let's go to our six stock and sharon Once a view, Howard, on elders, the basically uh, it's almost an agribusiness ETF, isn't it? It's got a, when you talk agriculture, it's got a finger in so many different pies from real estate uh, to property, the the whole lot, transport.
0: Yeah, supplies for farmers and so on as well. Yeah, um, quite a wide range. And uh, interestingly, over the last four or five years, the stock has um, or, this company has actually been better and better run, uh, certainly better run than it was historically. Um, and having had a pretty lousy return on equity prior, over the last five years, return on equity has been uh, north of 16% every year, which is really excellent. Uh, earnings per share has been growing over the last several years, uh, growing at about 17% a year over the last few years. But sales per share aren't, uh, isn't growing. In fact, it's fractionally uh, dropping, which means obviously their margins have been improving. Now that's a very good sign. You want to see a business able to improve its margins. But of course, it's it's limited in how long you can do that. You can improve your margins for a while. Eventually, if your margins get too high, competitors come in and compete away those margins. So that would be something I'd be a bit concerned about, looking at it, that it's been growing its earnings by improving its margins. It's on a pretty undemanding PE ratio of 12.6. I mean, that's really pretty low. But I suppose we we need to take into account that because it's so dependent on the uh, agricultural community and regional and country areas for a lot of its revenue and profits these areas tend to go through periods where they do well and periods where the weather's wrong and they do badly so um COVID's probably helped them by the way uh with with people wanting to move away from the the, the big cities so overall all its metrics look pretty good but um I, i'd advise um any viewers looking at it seriously to say to themselves uh, i'd better watch this profit margin and see if sales start rising that's fine but if the profits increase only because the margins improving then at some point in time they won't be able to continue doing that
1: right okay so So, would you be
0: buying at these levels Uh,
1: i'll
0: be your pardon would you be buying at these levels Uh, i wouldn't personally but um, the metrics all look good so i I would think from a team invest perspective i would to say a yes um but i'm always a little reticent about anything that, that need some of its money from uh, the agricultural community not because that's their fault but whether it tends to uh, mess up any um, long-term predictions you make and i tend to look at things for the very long term so i personally know but uh, it certainly looks good at these levels and uh, uh, i'm sure a lot of people would look at it as team invest members and say they'd be quite comfortable with it so yes
1: uh gary what do you think of elders and, yeah and is it like a, a, a barometer of the rural sector when when you you get reports bumper wheat crop cattle prices up is it does this stop follow that cycle yeah
2: it does there but I think hell's right it has sort of uh, has gotten better managed uh, in in recent years yeah. um, but obviously we do have that bumper wheat crop where uh, El Nina so the weather conditions yeah. are great for farmers so it's been a really great twelve months for for, for the ag community. Yeah. So I think that's gonna last, then elders will be, will basically be beneficiaries of that. So I think the revenue's up 29% for the full year. Um, the Last update and profit was up pretty substantially as well. Dividend, so as how the multiple's not that expensive. I actually looked at the chart here and noticed that it got to around 12, 20, 12, 30, had a little 3 wave pullback. That's kind of yeah. classic corrective sort of uh, pattern. And was at 10:48 yesterday, and I thought well, that looks like looks like a buy to me for there. So I think the stock can actually rally back up. Most of broker valves are sitting up around 13.30 to 13.98. Okay. So yeah. they think this stock can go higher here. But but we are there is some risk there as House says because it is the sector is cyclical, so it's not sort of uh, you know yeah, if, yeah the it's sector got to turns what,
1: if a drought comes yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. So you got
2: to manage this. Got to manage this. This is not sort of just sort of. Uh, Invest and put it in the bottom of shelf. This is one you got to keep an eye on. Right. So okay. uh, you got to watch it closely. You got to probably manage the, the risk right. on this one. So I do like it here. I think it's a buy. Okay. Uh, around ten fifty or below. So um, yeah. But,
1: terrific. Okay. And now uh, David wants a view, uh, Gary, on Acro Formwork and Construction Services. Basically, this is a massive scaffold. Uh, businesses for the construction industry
2: yeah actually I didn't actually uh, never really looked at this before actually so I thought you know it's sort of uh, it's quite a long name too It's not, yeah, that's not, right not many have these long Agro names.
1: Form yeah. work and construction services <laughs> yeah so it pretty
2: much does what it says obviously add a, add a bit of scaffolding in there as well so yeah. um, look the, the revenue growth has been pretty interesting up 22% I think the EBITDA was down mm-hmm. but that's obviously like a lot of um, businesses there you know made some provisions there um, so look, I saw one broker a veil, 40 cents from Bell Potter. That, that was it. Um, right. Look, it's, uh, they talked about the Sydney and Melbourne sort of scaffolding market being a little soft um, and the business is probably tailored towards sort of the more bigger sort of building yep. end as well. So that's probably, I think the retail end really yep. going. I think every builder in Australia is currently <laughs> you know, working you know, seven days a week because it's hot. Yep. Um, bigger builders might be under a little bit more and that space is going to be pretty... There's a lot of money coming into the infrastructure space, build yep. sector. So, it is going to be a good place to be for the next sort of 12 months. Just sort of
1: pretty illiquid though. Isn't yeah, it just well. the riskier
2: sort of stock. So look looks okay. P/E is pretty high, but yep. that's the case for a lot of smaller stocks. I mean, the market cap's only 86 mil, so yeah. So, look, it looks okay, but it's probably too risky for me. Right. Yeah. Okay. Howard
0: on Akron Acre- yeah, like it. I've never looked at it before, but having a look at it now Um, it's metrics over the last few years look pretty good but when a company is in something like construction which tends to have booms and busts and it's a very illiquid stock you need to be very very confident uh, about the long-term future of the company and um, I don't know enough about this company to feel that kind of confidence and it also hasn't been listed long enough to have me feel uh, a high level of confidence so my concern would be, you know, I mean, it, it, the, the share price looks quite cheap, but based on the PE that it's on, but being thinly traded and in a boom bust industry, um, I'd steer clear of it, even though its metrics over the last few years look okay. So okay. Uh, no from me.
1: Okay. Um, thank you for that suggestion, David. Now, Qualm um, wants a view, Howard, on the Charter Hall Long Whale REIT. Now, correct me, it's uh, Weighted Average Lease. I've forgotten what the E stands for <laughs> on Whale, but it's uh, basically a real estate investment trust that invests in, in almost government institutional buildings with a long lease term, is it?
0: Yes, so from that point of view, very little risk, yeah. um, which at the moment in, in uh, many parts of the uh, 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 REITs, uh, some of the risks are, but elevated because of COVID. Um, this one probably not. But like all REITs, its return on equity is quite low. So you you get a fair bit of safety, but you also get very little prospect of much growth over time, and um, that's the negative thing. You know, and when when a company's got as it does a return on equity that's around about six percent average over the last several years the best you can possibly get out of that business, is in, in the long term is six uh, percent return because they they're generating six percent return on the money so if you're going to be buying it at all you've got to be buying it when its p ratio is low um so that at least you get a kicker upwards from the fact that you're buying it cheaply it's not all that cheap at the moment it's on a p ratio of about twelve and a half. it's varied between about 9 and 15 so it's in the roughly the middle range of its PE ratios so very safe uh, investment probably but if you're going to be buying these really safe ones you want to be buying them when the PE ratio is low and everybody's right. saying how awful it is so as we can see from the chart there there would have been opportunities to buy it mm-hmm. earlier this year at considerably less than $4.90 sort of in the uh, uh, four to four dollar fifty range and in that range, 4 to 450, even though the ROE is low, your return will be okay because uh, you'll get a, an increase in the share price at some stage when the P-E ratio uh, moves up again. But at this stage, when it's in the middle of the P-E ratio range, I'd say no for me now, but you could keep an eye on it. But the, with hmm. the, the ROE is too low to be excited about it.
1: Okay. Uh, Gary? Gary?
2: Yeah, I agree with that actually, it's just sort of... So, like, but is this yeah. a
0: stock
1: for my 86-year-old mother, who's complaining about her term deposit at the moment, going, why am I still invested there? And you go, well, you know, you get, probably get better returns than your know, 1% or half uh, a percent through the stock market, oh, but then I take a higher risk profile. Is this a stock that has a low risk profile, but satisfies that sort of investor?
2: Yeah, so I mean, you get your um, (coughs) your 5.8, 5.9% yield, as as Hal was indicating there, but you still get the risk of uh, the instrument going up and down in value. So that's the downside there. It's interesting that the portfolio just got upgraded by 4.5% the value of of its assets. So so it's interesting they're sort of saying the values have actually gone up quite a bit here. So Mm -hmm. I still think there's some issue, some some risk with some of the reits here. Um, And if the market does, if we do, you know, ever have go through the recessionary periods there rates can um yeah you know, can get sold off a bit there so yeah not not for me i just sort of uh yeah mm. not for me
1: okay yeah. all right uh kevin wants to view uh gary on vocus group now they're um, um sort of basically a big telecommunications company that that own all the specialist fiber and um, and connections to a, a lot of the big buildings. For example, here at Brangaroo, I think is a Vocus. The three towers of Vocus yep. buildings that connect all the tenants into uh, um, into data fibre and all that sort of thing.
2: Yeah, it's got heaps of the brands: Data, yep. Primus, Commander. Sort of all these. Um, yeah, okay. I, I actually think it's a sell here. Right. Uh, I think the stock's had a great run. It's it's actually jumped up quite a bit here because oh, they're okay. going to roll out the Vocus uh, New Zealand business yep. and. And have a um, an IPO, so that's that's unlocked a bit of value here for shareholders. Um, but as Howard will point out here, the uh, the revenue line, the profit line, hasn't been too much growth there. I think the full year revenue was was down six percent recently. Right. Oh, okay. um, you know, EBITDA down. So uh, they're talking about a dividend likely to resume in two thousand and twenty-two. Hasn't paid a dividend since two thousand and seventeen. So it tells you a little bit about um, okay. its its profit capabilities So to me it's a sell here i think it's really had a run here on the back of this um this ipo um for, for the new zealand business so yeah. that's an opportunity to get um to get out here at a reasonable price for, for, for me
0: okay um howard focus yeah same thing from me i mean uh, there were two businesses uh m2 telecommunications and Vocus, that merged uh, some years back and both of them were performing really well before they merged and after the merger, it became an absolute nutter disaster. Um, uh, I think the business just became too large, too complex um, for the board to handle and the management to handle. And it really hasn't performed at all well since then. So it went from having a return on equity that was sort of 15 to 20 percent um, down to recent years where it's been next to zero. You know, 1.4 and 1.7 percent EPS has come down. That's why the share price has come down. And I think much like Gary uh, I'd be a, if I owned it now which I certainly wouldn't um, uh, I'd be saying thank goodness the share price has gone up recently and I can sell it <laughs> uh, and uh, so I think anybody in it should sell it and uh, the, the, yeah. well, I would certainly um, but I certainly wouldn't uh, suggest yeah. buying it um, I think there's still possibility of more write downs on their balance sheet every year they've been writing down stuff and um, just too complex and too many yeah. problems.
1: Um, is that always a warning sign for you, Howard? How, how do you how do you judge when a com- when companies merge? Um, how many actually do it successfully, and how do you try and determine, as a professional investor, um, whether there's a greater chance that it's going to come off or not? Because so- some do well, it horribly, don't they?
0: Yeah, well, in fact, uh, worldwide, about two thirds of acquisitions destroy value for the uh-huh. the company that acquires them. So usually because they overpay. So if you are being acquired, the company that you own shares in is being acquired, you're usually best off taking the money and saying thank you and going away, because about two thirds of them fail. One, uh, uh, I don't mean fail; they go bankrupt. I mean fail in that they destroy wealth. And okay. one-third create wealth so it's about two mm-hmm. to one odds against you so yeah. that's not a good sign and the the ones that tend to be successful uh, in other words the bulk of those one-thirds are small acquisitions where a mm-hmm. company uh, adds on little bolt-on acquisitions and occasionally where there are really incredibly obvious synergies which is extremely rare possibly one on the market at the moment is uh, northern star and saracen where they each own shares in the same uh, mining pit. So it obviously makes sense to combine the operations have one set yeah. of management running the mining pit instead of two sets of management running the same mining pit. Um, so there it makes good sense, but usually it doesn't. Yeah. Um, so yeah. as a general rule, yeah. when company makes a very large acquisition, which they usually call a merger, um, when they have a very large acquisition, uh, the best advice is usually, thank Get them out. for the money and go away. Oh. Yeah. I, yeah, no, it, I, 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 No, I would have I'm said not.
2: exactly the same as Howard. said so the only sort of difference was there that, um, so the, the big ones are the riskiest ones. So the ones yep. that most successful are just the small volatile ones there. But Howard's sort of the stats there might be a little skewed there in the fact that a lot of the times there when they do these acquisitions, because they've had a great run, so that all of a sudden the shares are hot, they know right. the equity's hot. So they make yep. the bid, usually an equity bid. Um, so if they use equity rather than cash, then that's okay, because they've used the high valuation to buy the asset and they might not perform from there, but they've got their business yeah, using cheap, equity. relatively. Yes, so right. that might be a win for management, even though it might be a, a loss for shareholders. Yeah, that yeah.
1: Makes sense. well, stuff management. We want yeah. wins what? for us, don't yeah. we? <laughs> yeah, but that, that, in <laughs> the Actually, short yeah. term,
2: maybe you, you, you get the, the, the run later to on, readout. but it does, yeah. But I agree right. with how 100%. 100%. Yeah. The big acquisitions are the ones that always are the riskiest and the small bolt-on ones are traditionally the ones that are less yeah, risky. That's so. interesting.
1: Yeah. Sorry, Howard.
2: Yeah.
0: No, I was just uh, agreeing with Gary and uh, agreeing with you and the, the stuff management. You know, management <laughs> is there to look after us. They are our employees. Yeah, yeah. We employ the directors, who employ the management. So we are the bosses of the directors who are the bosses of the management. Yeah. We want the management running the business in our interests as shareholders not in their interests as management. Now, ideally, we want their interests and our interests to coincide. And the best way that you can tell that's happening is read the remuneration report and see if they are being rewarded with incentives that would suit us as shareholders rather than just ones that would suit them.
1: Yep, absolutely, a really good point. Uh, Thank you for that suggestion. Kevin, our our final stock, um, Howard Tim wants a view on AUB Group. This is uh, Um, would you call call it a roll-up model of insurance brokers Um, they have 550,000 clients 93 uh, businesses in their network
0: yes and and they've actually been a particularly successful roll-up roll-ups aren't always that successful but they have been a particularly successful roll up of these brokerages but I think part of the reason goes back to what we were saying earlier with Vocus and that is that Each of these new ones that they acquire tends to be pretty small compared to the size of the business they already are so even if they get one wrong the worst that happens is they get some minor indigestion you know take a reading and they fine Um, whereas if they were making massive acquisitions it may not be like that so their return on equity uh, for over 10 years now for a long time Uh, Has been more than 10 percent. It's passed our filters on return on equity for many years So uh, I've got ten years at showing here, but uh, probably at least another five years before then Earnings per share has grown uh, Never all that fast around about seven eight nine percent a year, but considering inflation's only perhaps two um, That's still a, a lot better than inflation and they've generally kept their debt levels low uh despite making the acquisitions now recently their debt level's gone up a little bit it's higher than it's averaged it's generally been in the 20 30 percent debt equity level it's now 60 that's possibly the inclusion of leases under the new asb 16 regulations so probably not anything to worry about and it's on a pe of about 20 which for a company that's growing at 8 percent a year with a 13 um, uh, twelve, thirteen, fourteen percent return on equity that's not bad so okay. um uh, you know it looks quite reasonable. all right Gary
2: actually one of the few companies that actually is given forward guidance here at the moment as well oh. so so given the sort of full year twenty one guidance sort of between fifty eight and a half and sixty one million uh, net profit, which is about uh, increase of between nine and fourteen percent growth for the year so, that's a little higher than they have been tracking so mm. it's just, uh, just showing the business is going pretty well just the PE is a little high um, yep. but yeah it lo- looks like a pretty good business it's, it's funny I was just talking to a family member in the same space and he was telling me how uh, that's, that's that sector is actually pretty robust it's actually oh. been a pretty good year and he's been surprised okay. how how you know, businesses are um, are uh, moving, uh, um, mm. uh, d- b- progressing, and yeah, just yeah. sort of uh, innovating and sort of yeah. So the segment seems pretty robust actually at the moment, so which okay. is a good sign for the overall economy also for that business. But yeah. to me, it's probably just a valuation here, It's just right. a little expensive here, but um, good business. Maybe if it came back maybe to fifteen dollars, there probably yeah. be uh, could be interested there. But yeah, yeah. good. Good, good solid business
1: how do you end up
0: the, um, is it attractive for you at these levels uh, it's it's a little above its average PE right. so not super attractive but uh, considering its track record of steady growth um, uh, you know when a company's got that steady growth you don't mind yeah. overpaying a teeny but if you're going to be holding it for okay. a long time so All if right. you're a trader no um, but we're long-term investors and looking five years out if you marginally overpay now you're not going to complain over the next five years um you may complain sure. for the first few months that you could have got it slightly cheaper yep. but uh you know once the yep. earnings have grown another <laughs> eight nine ten percent a year for several years you look back and it can say it was cheap so i'm a yes but okay. obviously uh, a little bit cheaper would be nicer
1: yep all right let's recap the uh, final five stocks um elders a yes from gary um A yes from Team Invest, although Howard wouldn't be in it but can see how his Team Invest members would like elders at these levels. Uh, A no for Acro, the Charter Hall Whale, uh, a no from Gary, Uh, Howard's saying if you, if it drops that $4, $4 $4.50 mark, then it's on a better PE. Um, Vocus, both the guys say sell Vocus, you've had a great run. Uh, AUB, a yes from Howard and a no from Gary. Harold uh, Coleman from Team Invest, great to see you. Thanks for joining us on the call today as usual. Appreciate it. Pleasure. And, and Gary Glover from Novus Capital, mate. Good to have you Thanks, in Dad. here yeah. in the Brangaroo Studios. Yeah. Um, that's it for our show for today. If you've got any stocks you'd like us to take a look at, email the call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us at AusBizTV. Uh If you want to see all the stocks in the Calls portfolio, osbiz.co forward slash portfolio and if you want a full wrap up of the day in business finance and markets in your inbox at 5:30, you've got to subscribe to nadine and scuddy cob and to subscribe to that is osbiz.co slash join and uh, keeps you up to date every day and um, startup daily show between two and three look at companies seeking capital and the latest in the startup sector full of really great um, uh, founders, uh, Durab Verma, uh, who says LinkedIn is boring and exclusionary. So he's created his own networking platform called Group Tag. He's gonna tell you all about it on the Startup Daily Show uh, with a whole bunch of other uh, founders as well. That's between two and three. Stick around, you're watching Ausvis.